The name of this week's Torah portion is Tiruma. Parshas Truma, the section of Truma. What does the word Truma mean? It means donation. Or more precisely, as Rashi translates from the word Hafrasha, setting aside. One sets aside, that is the name of this week's Parsha. Why is it called this? Because the opening passage of this week's Parsha is the mitzvah of donating, for all the Jews to donate many different items, many of them very refined, very rare, involve labor, and to bring these items, to donate these items for the sake of building a tabernacle for God. Later on in the Parsha, we are commanded by God to build a tabernacle, the very famous verse, build for me a sanctuary and I will dwell among them. And followed by a very detailed command over the course of this week's parasha, next week's parasha, exactly how to build the temple and all the vessels and all the garments, etc. This is the layout, this is the setup. And the question that concerns us is why would the name of the Parsha be donation? Seemingly, the Parsha is about building the Mishkan, the commandment to build the Mishkan. It's not about donation. First of all, the word donation could have many meanings. Who knows what you're donating to? Who knows what you're donating to? And even within the realm of holiness, there's a lot of things that are actually even called by the very term truma. Truma that you give to the Kohen. Chala is called truma. Bikurim is called truma. There's so many things that are called truma. Truma literally is a very power of word, and it means donation. <coughs> when we say that we're building a Chabad house, it's a prerequisite is you need donations, but that's not the theme of the parsha, it's not even the majority of the parsha. It's it's just it's it's you know it's the it's the beginning of the parsha. It's a few psukim, but is it about donation? What's the significance of donation, which somehow represent somehow presents the significance of this accomplishment of build, accomplishment of building a home for God? Why would I call it donation? It seems problematic, to say the least. In addition, and on the same point, one could ask about the structure of the Parsha. Why would you begin the Parsha by talking about the commandment for donations without first telling me the commandment to build the temple? first say the commandment to build a temple make the parsha about the temple and then yes we need to donate yes we need to build we need to know how to build seemingly the foundation of this entire parsha is the commandment to build a tabernacle <coughs> not donation on it no donation unto itself simple enough the question 
throws itself out at us. This is what bothers the Rebbe. This is what's bothering us. <clears throat> so, the uh, there's another question, which is going to lead us to the ultimate answer to all of this, which is why the focus on the Mishkan, on the tabernacle in the desert. This was a temporary tabernacle, which literally, out of all of Jewish history, stood for a total of 40 years, even if you want to say that they used the same tabernacle in Gilgal when they arrived in Israel for 14 years, so that's 54 years. After that, everything changed drastically. And uh, no matter where they were, it was done very, very differently. In Shiloh, in Noiv, in Givoin, and then, of course, ultimately the Holy Temple in Jerusalem, the two temples and the future temple there. <coughs> the actual structure, the actual measurements, the actual laws of the Mishkan only were relevant for 50 some odd years. And yet, we study it in depth, page after page after page. And even though we could argue that this is the source of the commandment that God wants a temple, but at the end of the day, all the details are irrelevant, seemingly, for eternity. What's the lesson that we could derive? Why is this so moving to a Jew to read about the Mishkan. What is the inspiration? What is the... Yes, we have a mitzvah to build the temple, but that's a very different mitzvah than building the Mishkan in terms of the practical obligation. The, 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 every item, the structure is different, even though the general layout is, 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 is the same, but every particular item is done differently. Every, even the vessels, which Rashi says is the same, and if you have to redo a vessel, you do it the way it's prescribed. The Ramban says, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. Just like the structure is not the same, who decided that the vessels are the same? So we have a complete machlekes uh, here. So why, what's this obsession with the Mishkan? And the explanation is as follows. <clears throat> There's an Eirechaim HaKadosh in this week's parsha on the Pasuk of Asli Migdash V'Shechanti B'Saycham Make for me a sanctuary, a holy place and I will dwell among them. And then immediately it calls it a Mishkan. Over there it calls it a Migdash. Then it says K'chil Asher Ani Mara Yischa Yistavnes HaMishkan V'chein Ta'asu That, like I'm showing you the shape, the form of the Mishkan. Why, why, why are you changing your description from Migdash to Mishkan Right? Why are you calling it a Mikdash? And then immediately you change your mind and you call it a Mishkan. Answers there, Chaim HaKadosh, that the moment you do it for the sake of God, even though the Divine Presence has not dwelled in it yet, it is considered sacred and sanctified to God Almighty. <coughs> in other words, there's two stages. There's a stage of you actually building a Mishkan, 
And then there's Hashem actually dwelling in the infinite presence of God. That the Shechina, Hashem's presence, Hashem's infinite presence, I should say. So the one who could bridge the divide between finite and infinite, who could bring the infinite into the finite and does not see the two as a contradiction, this can only come from God. And <clears throat> therefore the Shechina comes afterwards. You have Mikdash, and then you have Mishkan. However, says the Rebbe, I'm going to tell you a Chiddush. That's all very nice. But there's even a level that precedes Mikdash, which is Truma. And this lies at the heart of what this whole parish is all about. Truma means Hafrasha. You set aside. In other words, you didn't even bring it to God. You didn't even manage to make it holy yet. It's that fact that you separated it. Truma, you separated it from other things in your life, from the mundane elements of your life. You gave from yourself. You gave from your ego. You were you sacrificed. It came from you. Why does it why does it imply this concept that it came comes from you, and so on? <clears throat> so the Rebbe says an incredible idea, which is that by definition, when you say hafrasha, you set aside. It means only a piece of what you have are you giving away, right? Which by definition means that it's coming from you and, and, it's, and it's based on your understanding and your generosity and you give away what you can and then hopefully you give away harder and more until ultimately you give everything up for God. But it begins from a place where you give away what you can. You give away your mafresh. What, what could you give to God? That's what Hafrasha connotes versus when God Almighty Himself is revealing His presence. There's no room for any element of the person not to be blown away, not to be completely consumed. Every fiber of your being and every bone in your body. So the very term Hafrasha already implies that it's coming from the person and that they're trying their best and they're trying to be elevated bit by bit. And furthermore, that's more like in quantity, but also in quality. That how much of yourself are you sacrificing? We could be compartmentalized. A person is giving part of themselves. Not that they themselves have been completely surrendered, completely nullified to God Almighty. And that's also a difference if it comes from God or if it comes from the person. When Hashem gave the Torah to Sinai, it nullified the whole world. <coughs> but the true accomplishment was building the Mishkan, which came from the person. Came from the person. And this is actually why it's such an inspiration, the desert, because what the desert represents is a Jew who's wandering. It represents making a home for God in a place which only a snake feels at home. When you're near Yisrael, in the Holy Land, fine, fine, we make a home for God. The real accomplishment, the whole purpose, the ultimate purpose of the Beis Hamikdash was for a year to know that he could take a 
place which seems completely barren, completely broken and poisonous and venomous. And over there he can make, by do, giving a donation, he could come close to God. Hashem values that and he could go from step to step until he's completely elevated and completely connected with God, which is actually another translation for Truma, <coughs> is elevation. The Zohar translates Truma from the word Rum, Tarum, Vayorum, that elevation. Ultimately, a person could arrive at an elevation through doing a Hafrasha. And the reason why throughout all generations, not only is it an inspiration for us to know that we have that power, but also whenever we're building a temple, for all generations, for all times, only by studying the Mishkan do we realize, we learn from there, what is the main emphasis when we're building a temple throughout all generations. To recognize that it's this power, it's this concept that's, that, uh, that we're trying to learn. That, that, it, that the fact that it comes from the person. Even though by all the other temples, it's not really completely coming from the person. It's God is, uh, the place is holy. God is already beckoning to us. He's calling to us. But once we see it in the tabernacle, in the Mishkan, this already reveals to us that even when there is God beckoning to us and there is Giluyim and there is revelation, that's not the main primary focus. We learn from the Mishkan, which the Mishkan is eternal. It was never destroyed because this is the ultimate eternity that Hashem desired. <coughs> Hashem values this connection, this relationship um, that we do and have with Him. And the Hira, the lesson is for every Jew at every time, that a Jew could think and that he finds himself in a desert and he's completely devoid of holiness and he gives a Pope and he says, look, how could I build a temple for God in this place? And the answer is that on the contrary, the commandment was given specifically in the desert precisely for that situation and when a Yid recognizes that, he he he. He is completely capable of building an oasis for God in the middle of the desert.